Hello, and welcome to another message from God's Way Through Christ Ministry, where we aspire to live life on purpose through the sharing of God's Word. Here is Pastor Nate with today's message. Hello, and welcome to another message from God's Way Through Christ Ministry. Thank you for joining us for this Easter Sunday message in the sharing of God's Word. This is where we study, learn, and abide in our personal journeys along our daily walk with Christ. And if there is one thing that I know for sure, there is our way and there is God's way. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day of celebration of Christ who has risen, who went before us to die on the cross for our sins so that we may, we may be saved, so that we may have salvation, the gift of salvation and eternal life with you. God, we, we, we just thank you for that gift that we did not earn, we do not deserve. Uh, but you saw fit to do that because you love us. And, and there are no words there's no way for us to ever repay you, yet we will try with our lives and how we live being the example that you would want us to be, living as a member of the body of Christ that is pleasing in your sight. So we thank you, Father. We thank you for this opportunity to come together and fellowship and celebrate that he is risen. Celebrate that Jesus has returned from the dead, paying our debt in full. Father, we thank you. We pray that you use me to get this message, your word, to your people. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen and amen. Well, Easter is a very special time of year, and um, it's where we pay homage and celebrate this gift, this there are, again, no words to describe it. And I think it, uh, I, th I thought it would be appropriate to talk about Jesus and love in today's message. So on this Sunday, which is considered by many Christians to be the holiest and most uh, sacred of Sundays, Easter Sunday, I can imagine that there are many ways that pastors and church leaders are sharing the, the same narrative of the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus today. An account of the one and only perfect being to ever have walked the face of this earth. God in human form who walked this earth in love, but was treated so horribly, maliciously, and vile for trying to spread the message of love, peace, and joy. Uh, the, the, the story, the message, the recount uh, of how Christ uh, was the sacrifice who died for our sins, all of us, all of our sins, giving us the unearned gift of salvation. Uh, this is a, an infallible message of hope through redemption. He paid the price, and an unfolding set of events of, of such magnitude, so profound, so incredible, it's nearly impossible to fully express and take in the, the full meaning in, in just one sitting. 
uh, for that reason in this message, I want to focus on just one aspect, uh, that facet being love. In, in these verses, Jesus is aware uh, what is about to happen to him. He's, he's hanging out, he's spending time with his disciples, and he is fully aware of the events that are about to occur. He, he knows that one of his closest confidants, one of his disciples, is about to betray him and why through the influence of, of the enemy. He, he knows that he will be handed over to his enemies who despise him deeply. I mean, just imagine knowing that you're going to be gift-wrapped, if you will, and handed over to, to people who want your head. He's fully aware of this. He, he, he also knows that one of his closest and most trusted friends, one of his disciples, will deny he knew him when pressed. Not once, not twice, but three times. They've, they've, they've been together, they've gone through so much together, but when asked and pressed, he's going to deny him three times. Yet, knowing all of this, Jesus still loves them. I don't, I, I don't know of any man capable of such strength, of such character. It, 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 it's, so I'm going to read from John 13, verse 31 through 38 from the NIV. John 13 verse 31 through 38 from the NIV. After Judas was gone, Jesus spoke. He said, Now the Son of Man receives glory, and he brings glory to God. If the Son brings glory to God, God himself will bring glory to the Son. God will do it at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, just as I told the Jews, so I am telling you now. You can't come where I am going. I give you a new command. Love one another. You must love one another just as I have loved you. If you love one another, everyone will know you are my disciples. S Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow. But you will follow me later. Lord, Peter asked, why can't I follow you now? I will give my life for you. In verse 38, then Jesus answered, will you really give your life for me? What I'm about to tell you is true. Before the rooster crows, you will say three times that you don't know me. So he's got his disciples, he's telling him he's leaving, they want to come with him, they're professing their uh, unyielding faith to him, but he already knows <clears throat> what is about to happen. Yet he still loves them. So the title topic for today is, If You Love Me. If You Love Me. When others hurt us, we can find it hard to love them and, and, and still yet confess our faith as being Christian. Jesus knew in advance what he was about to face, yet he still loved. Jesus was fully aware um, he would suffer the blow of betrayal, yet he still loved. Uh, 
Jesus knew he, being perfect and without a single fault, having committed not a single sin, not one, unblemished and spotless, would be offered as a sacrifice to pay the price for the sins of all mankind, past, present, and future. Yet he still loved. So what is love? There's, and in, in from, from a Greek standpoint, like eight different types. There's love that we're familiar with. There's romantic. Um, but what type of love is Jesus speaking of here in these scriptures? We're, again, we're familiar with the different types. Love and marriage. Love for our family members. Even love for our friends. And I'm going to confine that to just people. We're not talking about love of stuff. Another message. <laughs> Love, family, members, friends, human interaction. But it would be wise to view this through the lens of divine love. In the Old Testament, the word is almost untranslatable, but the closest definitions are believed to be loyalty and steadfast love, covenant, kindness, unshakable. And we just heard how one of Jesus' disciples saying, I give my life for you, but his love was shaken. We're talking about a different type of love, more on the, on the divine. So it may help to understand then the opposite of this type of love, which would be unpredictable, moody, you know, when I feel like it sometimes. What it is not based on is emotion in response to beautiful looks, uh, rewards, or even kindness extended to us. And I love you because of what you did for me, which is very different than I love you even though you didn't do anything for me. And we're going to get to a little more in depth in that coming up. Um, understand that this type of love is based on a moral attitude, a moral compass that is dedicated to a, another's good. And here's the kicker, regardless of if that person is lovable, worthy of the love, or even responsive to the love, we love them anyhow. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 through 8, I'm going to read from the Amplified. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, from the Amplified speaks of love here and explains it in more detail. Verse 4, love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious, nor boils over with jealousy. It is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily. It is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It is not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, 
but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes, is ever ready to believe the best of every person, its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. And finally, verse 8, love never fails, never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. So that is the type of love Jesus spoke, spoken in those passages, in those scriptures, a, a, a divine love. That's a, that's, a, that's a very high standard for love. It's not fleeting. It's not flimsy. It's not predicated upon. It's not conditional. That falls well into the spectrum of unconditional love. I love you regardless. Not if you do this or say that or regardless. Even if you mistreat me, I still love you. I mean, I like you, but I still love you. These verses provide ample description, insight, and direction to us on how we can express unconditional love towards others. The virtues associated with unconditional love are congruent with a strong character. Yes, it's easy to love when things are going well. But how about when they're not? When, when someone you care about betrays your trust, will you still love them? When someone you care about disappoints you, can you still love them? When someone you love gains something that you desired, thought you should have, can you still love them? When someone you love mistreats you, can you still love them enough to seek and understanding as to why. When you are upset with someone you love and something terrible happens to them, will you rejoice or have compassion for them? When you just don't feel like it, for any number of reasons, are you still able to show and demonstrate love? Christ still did. God will love you always in all ways. Are you willing to put forth the effort to discern why a person may have behaved in a manner that did not appear loving or caring towards you, but it may have been more to do with a demonic influence? in which we are all uh, weak at times, and the enemy was able to use them as we are susceptible to attack. But they didn't intend to. They didn't mean to. It wasn't their purpose. It wasn't their focus. They simply were a vessel used by the enemy to get to you. How else do you think you can be gotten to? You know when you see enemy attacks coming and it's there's a big word that says enemy attack, but to get to you, generally it's those that are close to you, that you trust, that are around you. And they can be influenced, not exorcism influenced, but still influenced by the enemy. 
And are you taking the time to discern that this is a demonic attack trying to get me off the path that I'm on, that I'm supposed to get to, to accomplish what I'm supposed to do? It's supposed to be a distraction. Uh -uh, not letting that. I see what you're doing. I see you. Go away. Not today. I'm not mad at you, the person. I see the influence. You got to go because I'm going to go on and do what it is that I have been instructed, guided, predestined, commanded to do. It takes love to weed through that. So then we want to talk about how to love with purpose, with intention, and for cause. The way Jesus intended for us to love in this command had more to do with purpose, his purpose, to accomplish a specific set of goals. That purpose and goal, although it may not always seem like it at the time, is for our good and in our favor. God's design is for, for us, is for us, includes us, and is about us, our salvation and hope, deliverance, joy, and eternal life with him. To live according to the designed path of love brings glory to God and favor upon our lives. It can lead the lost to, to, a, to a place of refuge and hope. It can instill confidence in doubters and peace within the troubled. It can bring joy to the downhearted, lifting those up who have been knocked down by life. It can restore life into the living dead, resurrecting lives from the ashes of carnality and evil and wickedness. That can produce and provide a light in others in an otherwise dark world for generations to see, follow, and journey to the high place, the kingdom of God. Why then are we so resistant to laboring just for a little while to accomplish the greater good? We're only here on this earth for a little while compared to eternity. Blink. There's scripture that says a day is like a thousand years. None of us lives that long. It's a short period of time to do and follow, to make it a better place than how we found it. So you, you might be saying, God does you know, know how hard it is in this life, how difficult it can be sometimes. He, he's not experienced what I've been through my challenges how could he possibly know the difficulties and and challenges and struggles and the and the countless temptations that exist here on earth that we face and deal with every day all the time i'm glad you asked in hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 in the amplified it says for we do not have a high priest who is unable to understand and sympathize and have a shared feeling with our weaknesses and infirmities and liability to the assaults of temptation, but one who has been tempted in every respect as we are yet without sinning. Has been tempted in every respect. Every is inclusive of all. 
There's nothing that any of us face from a temptation standpoint that Jesus hadn't already faced yet without sin. He did not sin. So Jesus walked the face of this earth as God in the flesh. This fact then would imbue that God has had the human experience that he has lived as man has through Christ. So every temptation, trial, difficulty, challenge, frustration, ill desire, temptation, in every manner of evil, God has experienced through Jesus himself. So no, we can't say to him, you don't understand. He understands. Yet, despite all that, he remained blameless, spotless, like an innocent lamb, with unfailing love, a steadfast love, fully committed to free man from bondage and worldly incarceration. God allowed his son to be a living sacrifice for us all. Christ on the cross gave up his spirit, his life, when he bowed his head and said, it is finished. It was not taken from him. Why? Because he loves us. So then you're saying when to love. We talked about love, talked about what it is and how, and then there's the when. As we take into account all that has been discussed up until this point. Some of you may be finding yourselves challenged in doing this. You, you most likely have no issues with loving those in a way that you care about, those that you feel a certain kind of way about. But what about those who have wronged you, those who may have mistreated you, those who have spoken ill of you, those who have disrespected you, those who have rejected you in your time of need, those who abandon you when the going got tough. You're struggling to forgive them, whether or not they ask for it. Why should you forgive them anyway? Because in Matthew, verse 18, chapter 18, Verses 21 and 22, Matthew 18, 21 and 22 from the NIV. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times, seven times 70. Think of that in terms of infinite. There are no limits. There are no limits. Think of that in terms of how many times have you sinned in your life? Just look at you. Nobody else. How many times have you sinned? Sin is thought, action, behavior. And how many times has God forgiven you? So when you forgive others that in a number that supersedes, that is greater than the number of times God has forgiven you, then you're probably kind of getting there. Won't happen. So, you see, love is stronger than any broken thing. Love is the adhesive that holds together what the enemy is trying to tear apart. 
Love is the bridge that crosses long distances. Love is the healing balm that helps deep wounds heal. Love is the foundation on which significant structures stand. Love is the gift wrap, the present and the contents of the most valuable gift ever given. On this day of celebration of life, because he has risen, it can even be said that love is a person, place, and a thing. What other words possess that much power, that much strength, and that much joy? In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13 in the Amplified, it says, And so faith, hope, love abide. Faith, conviction, and belief respecting man's relation to God and divine things. Hope, joyful and confident expectation of eternal salvation. Love, true affection for God and man growing out of God's love for and in us. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Understand. It was love that drove God to have an only begotten Son. It was love that caused God to have His Son walk on this earth, experiencing the human experience. It was love that God allowed His Son, with His support and the Holy Spirit, to endure vile treatment, ridicule, being an outcast, unspeakable vicious attacks, and eventually led to Him dying on the cross. It was a loving God that allowed Christ to be the sacrifice, paying the price for our sins, past, present, and future, so that we may be saved from damnation and receive the gift of salvation and eternal life. And it was the love that caused that stone to be rolled away, Christ to rise again and walk the earth before ascending up into heaven to stand beside the throne of God, awaiting our arrival to be continued. Father God, we thank you for this precious time that we can take time to thank you for the precious gift of your Son that you sent to be the sacrifice. His unblemished, perfect life bore the pain of our redemption, paid the price for our sins, broke us free from, from bondage and eternal damnation so that we may lead and live a glorious heavenly life with you in eternity we do not deserve it we didn't even know to ask for it but you knew because you loved us and you have shown time and time again if we're truthful and honest with ourselves you have shown us more times than we can count that you love us how much you love us and that you will always love us and all that you ask is that we love in return. Love is a solution to many of the world's ills, yet so hard because we get caught up in our flesh and you still forgive us. 
God, I cannot thank you enough. I am so grateful that Christ rose again from the dead to show your dominant, omnipotent power, domination over this earth, to win the battle against evil, to settle the matter once and for all through eternity. We thank you for that gift. We thank you for joy, love, peace, and faith. God, we thank you for love. And for those who may not know Christ, who may not know you, God, who may not be familiar with the Holy Spirit and are seeking, their lives are in turmoil, they're feeling unfulfilled, and things may be going great, but there's something missing. There's that one thing that they know. God, I pray that they pray this prayer with me. A prayer that will help them begin or renew a relationship, not religion, a relationship with you that would help them to understand how best to live a life that is fulfilling and that is pleasing in your sight. God, we pray this prayer, and I ask that you all pray this prayer with me. God, I know I'm a sinner and I cannot save myself. I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that your son, Jesus, gave up his life for me by dying on the cross in my place, paying the price for my sin, and rose again so that I may be saved. I ask that you come into my heart right now, and I accept your precious gift of salvation, victory over sin, and eternal life with you. For God, we know that is the true meaning, that is the true purpose, that is the true reason for the celebration of Easter. In all this, we ask and pray in your precious Son, Jesus' name, the Prince of Peace. Amen and amen. If you prayed that prayer, you have accepted Christ into your life. You have invited him in to, to, to live. That gives you the opportunity to be guided, to be steered, to combat and be victorious over anything and everything on this earth already won. When he said, it is finished, the battle was won. And he rose again, unmistakable. I, I strongly encourage you in cultivating and developing that relationship to, to read, study, and immerse yourself in God's word to gain a full understanding of the knowledge and the precepts and the principles and the tenets of faith that are in, contained within here that will help you to endure through the challenges that you will face now that you're part of a member of the family of body of Christ, even more so that you will face in this life, but emerge victoriously. I only have one ask for you, and that is to please share this message with three people. If you're still listening, you're still watching this far, I'm just asking one thing. Just share this message with three people of your choosing, however you're led, however you feel compelled. My aim is to get the message, God's word, to God's people, period. It's my agenda. That's my motivation. That's the purpose. 
to help others. I know what it's like to have to battle through this life. And I want to equip others to be able to make it through and make it through victoriously. With that, I thank you in advance for your willingness to share. I thank you for your love and support. And thank you for joining us. We appreciate your support. And I hope you can join us again on next Sunday. Until then, go and live your blessed life on purpose. Thank you for joining and worshiping with us today. I hope your soul was fed and thoughts stirred in the sharing of God's word and that today's message will inspire you to live a godly life. Whether viewing on our website or one of the social media platforms, we ask that you consider supporting our ministry with a donation of any size. To do so, please visit our website at www. GWTCM.org. That's www.gwtcm.org. We appreciate you and your support. We look forward to sharing God's message with you again. Until then, be well, blessed, and live a life on purpose.